Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If by some chance My First Sketch isn't listed on your favorite app, let me know and I'll do my best to fix that. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Although Apple Podcasts seems to be the most important for reviews. Glowing reviews are great constructive criticism can be emailed like the podcast on facebook at facebook.com slash my first sketch follow along on twitter at my first sketch head to my where i'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode any questions thoughts recommendations feel free to email me at josh at my and i'll get back to you as soon as i can today's guest is veronica dang currently a member of model majority based out of new york city Veronica's first sketch is called Big Mike Swan, taking place in the world of ballet. Veronica reads the role of Nina. I read Big Mike, give all the visual and action information. So you'll probably picture me dancing if you need to during the sketch. So let's get to the sketch. Interior American Ballet Theater Dance Studio Day. Nina and her dance partner, David, are waiting for their choreographer to start rehearsal. I had the craziest dream last night about a girl who's turned into a swan. She needs love to break her spell, but her prince... A large, imposing, and unlikely-looking choreographer in his 50s, Big Mike, enters the studio and knocks Nina aside. Big Mike carries a walking stick and is dressed in brightly patterned mix-match pajamas and socks. No shoes. I have arrived. I am Big Mike, your new choreographer. Where's Thomas? It's very sad. Thomas was weak. He gave in to his dangerous craving. Oh my God, what happened? Thomas ate a French fry and choked to death. Let's get started. There's no time to waste. Show me your black swan. Nina dances. Uh, Big Mike is waving his stick around. Come on, I don't believe it. Give me more. I want to see passion. Seduce us. More. More. Attack it. Attack it. Attack it. No, no, no. Stop. 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 Nina stops with frustration. Big Mike turns to David. Would you sleep with her? I didn't think so. Nina, I'm sure your white swan is good, but your black swan is dreadful. Let me show you how it's done. Big Mike dances dramatically and horribly. See the way I move? It's sensual. I seduce everyone in the room. He continues to dance with crude gestures while Nina looks on with horror. David, feel my touch. Respond to it. Attack it. Attack it. Attack it. Big Mike and David start making out passionately and end up falling on top of Nina. Nina bleeds to death. Cut to Big Mike as Lexwan. The end. Hey, I'm AJ Schrader, and I believe everyone has a story worth telling, and also that I should potentially profit off of their stories. That's why I started the podcast I Wrote You a Pilot, where each episode I talk to a not-yet-famous person about their television interest and then make them read a television pilot I hastily wrote for them with the hopes of catching the eyes of the president of television. 
It's available on most major podcast platforms, or you can find out more directly at iwroteyouapilot.podbean.com. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Where there's lightning, there's thunder. Where there's trouble, there's Donder. Meet Donder. I'm Donder. A.K.A. Jeff. Maybe we can work together someday. That would be a dream come true. Jeff wants to be a superhero. You got a pen? Uh, uh, yeah, in my fanny pack. But he's not very super. Help! He has one chance to prove himself. My name is Candace. I'm with Nondescript. That's the biggest super agency in the city. But will that be enough? What if I'm not very good at picking teammates? Here's the plan. I punch him. Then I punch him. I'll pull off his penis and punch him in the balls with it. When we put so much into becoming someone we never become, we forget one important thing. I've been chasing one thing for so long, I, I don't even know who I am without it. We never stop becoming. Listen to Tights on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Hey, Veronica. Hey. Uh, So tell me about the sketch. Tell me about this black swan. So I had just started uh, a sketch, my very first sketch writing class, and it was around the time of like when Black Swan came out. And it's also the, around the time when I was working on this um, project at a very famous esteem artistic theater in New York. <laughs> and there was a dance choreographer, not called Big Mike, but like him, like just you did not think he would be a choreographer because he was just like sloppy or, you know, he was in pajamas, no shoes. He was like so mean to the girls, the ballet dancers, you know. And I imagine that he would like be like in Black Swan, like just insulting them, telling them they're too fat, even though they're like all anorexic. And so that's how I came up with this sketch. Yeah, I don't remember Black Swan very well. Uh, I remember that it, it seems that, you know, ballet dancers and ballerinas lives are pretty awful. Yeah. They have no control of anything, like how they look and what they eat. And, you know, there's always this pressure to be, you know, principal ballerina. And, and it's it, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, they dramatize it, but I feel like it wasn't dramatized too much. They, I still think it's a pretty vicious world. You mentioned that this was you were taking a comedy class. Yeah. Where were you? Where were you studying? What were you? Who were it you was like an with? independent teacher, um, like who uh, studied at Second City. It so, wasn't like through like one of the major theaters because, you know, at the time I couldn't really afford taking classes at like UCB. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, someone who's like kind of doing it on their own and it was like more affordable. And I was like, not sure if I was going to go into sketch comedy. I just wanted to try it. How do you find out about like an independent? Yeah. In New York, writing. there's like, everybody's like teaching some like random class. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. like, it's just, like, you know, I'm on all these like actor comedy, like sure, sure, sure. So whatever. And, and there's people just always promoting like that makes I sense. do coaching. I do like I'm writing sketch or you can learn how to do characters. I didn't think There's about it that some... way. Yeah. Like 
Yeah, the, the idea of an independent thing surprised me, but I guess that does make sense. Like when you're in a city that is full of acting and acting opportunities that there are people that are like, yeah, I'll teach you, whatever, sure. I know something, let's try it. Was it? Was you're it like, new- when you're new to New York, you're like, you don't know any better. You're like, yeah. ooh, Second City, that sounds like legit. Was it a good class? Like It actually was, I learned a lot. Do, do, would I know who that person, the teacher was? I don't even remember their name at this point. I don't even know what they're teaching anymore. Okay. <laughs> like I'd have to look like through my emails because it's enough. been so long ago. That that probably tells me enough that maybe not. Maybe they were just like a one and done, not as big name as possible. So you were working at some kind of ballet theater. And it's funny because like, do you know Puddle's Pity Party? I heard the name, but I don't know well. So it's this big giant clown act, like, and the dude's like six, seven, and his real name is like, alter egos big mike so as oh, i was reading that that's all okay. i was thinking was you know this i mean he's a, he's a giant hulking man in a clown getup um very yeah, similar so, sounds yeah. like and this is like a very physical i feel like most of the comedy of it is based you know on the dance routine yeah. and was this ever performed uh no no it was just, just like a writing exercise how did it go in the the read through I think it did well. I mean, it's very dark, right? So in the read through, did you like mime some form of dance, like, or what you were thinking it would look like? Uh, no, we just verbally said it. Okay. Cause that'd be fun. If you were like into some little conference room. Galloping I mean, I, would, I wanted someone else to perform it, but <laughs> people were too shy. You probably would have been able to talk me into it. Probably, <laughs> I probably would have happily been a goof. I mean, we can do it again and can like do it for Zoom. <laughs> I don't release these videos, so <laughs> and I don't have much space to to like full on like Chris Farley my way into it. So, what were you into growing up? Like, what what made you laugh? I just love all forms of comedy. I mean, of course, I love Lucy. She's kind of an icon for me. I'm, I'm I'm very curious about why I Love Lucy now is getting. Yeah, all the documentaries. Yeah, like, like what triggered it? Like I listened to, there was a podcast series from, with, from TCM with uh, Ben Mankiewicz, I think, hosting it about Lucy. And then, of course, the Aaron Sorkin movie that I haven't watched yet. And I think it just came out this weekend. The Amy Poehler directed the documentary. Like, and listening to the Ben Mankiewicz podcast, which I recommend, uh, I there was stuff I had never thought of. Like, I guess as a as a kid, it didn't occur to me that the idea of having white Lucy and Latino Desi Arnaz would have been such a revolutionary thing. Like in the fifties, like. The, the 90s kid in me didn't see anything weird in that like and and what i have seen of lucy like i she's one of my blind spots i love lucy is definitely one of my blind spots i've only seen a couple episodes you know i don't know the full but yeah like i have to go back and go go through her stuff for sure it's funny because as a kid you know i just watch it because like that's what my like big sister was watching like whatever she's watching i'm like watching and but I loved it because it's about family and friends, and then you know to see you know her husband's not white, so you know 
being Asian, you know, I can relate to like immigrant families Mm -hmm. and mixed whatever. And then I just love her, like her comic timing and her friend's comic timing and and the mixture of like relation, uh, situational humor and physical comedy. I thought it was amazing when I was little. Um, And, and the fact that they basically like invented that format. Yeah. And like three camera. Cause um, I, for my birthday this year, I went to Jamestown, New York, her birthplace. I and they have like, the studios and the museum and it was amazing. Like you could be on the I Love Lucy set and take pictures and and you I'm saw like she invented everything. Like I had no idea so that she invented that. Like, like she produced Star Trek. Like, it's yeah, crazy. Like, and eventually, yeah, going into Desilu, they they buy out RKO Studios and like they become like these mini moguls for a while. Like it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm so confused about Jamestown because I want to, you know. I don't want to say pilgrimage. That's not like the best word to say, but like, I want to make the trip up to that comedy museum. The, oh, and the National Comedy Center. It's like, I didn't have enough time there. I was just there for like, like a day, I guess. And it still was enough because there's so much little stuff. They're a little light on the sketch, but sure. the comedy history in general, like it was great. Like it's, but, it, and I understand the whole Lucy hometown thing, but it just feels so weird to me that it's in Jamestown, New York. Yeah, it's random. Like there really isn't anything there except and then the I comedy looked at center. A map and of where I love Lucy's like, you know, where like, she oh, grew this up. Is, this is completely in the middle of nowhere. Like, at least in my perception of New York State. Like, but I had so much fun there. And I just feel like the more I learn about her, the more I love her. What else are you into growing up to like you mentioned watching I Love Lucy with your older sister? Like, yeah, I mean, I'd stay up watching Stand and Live, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my family's all like, I think it was my sister, my brother was into Monty Python. So I watched a lot of that. Um, also watched a lot of like Kins in the Hall. Um, SNL. Uh, I ask everybody, I'm always curious. Do you have a favorite SNL cast member? Ooh, this is hard. Let's talk through it. Let's do it. Oh, there's so many I love. <laughs> I have a special fondness for Kristen Wiig. Yes. Yeah. I just find her incredibly versatile and she's actually a really nice person. Oh, you, like, you like I met you, her. Yeah. Um, and she was actually really nice. Um, is there any particular like I mean you mentioned being versatile, like any particular characters that like just like shoot out for Krista Wig for you? When she did was it Liza Minnelli or something? Like her little mm, yeah. or no, or no, it wasn't it wasn't Liza Minnelli. Um it was some somebody like who's like trying to pick up something from the ground. That sounds like the, the Liza Minnelli. Was character. it Liza Minnelli? Or something like that. It was like some like icon like Hollywood and like was just being like she just she's very physical and yeah I remember funny. like because I think she just like I think that was a bit of a recurring thing because I think there was a, a Liza Minnelli turns on a lamp yeah that's what it is Liza Minnelli turns on like, that's and, and I can't remember who the the other person in the, the scene is but it's a really fun like I mean she's just such a star it's yeah she's she's fantastic and I feel like she's the prototype for female comedians I, I i feel she gets a lot of love when i ask that question like within a certain age range of um where like, i guess she is she might be aspirational and i because the, the last person i talked to that mentioned her i was like yeah kristen can do anything like when i heard that she was the villain in the next wonder Woman movie i was like yeah of course why not absolutely i believe that 100 even though half the movie it's you know cgi fake Kristen jumping around but I was like yeah I, let's put her on wires let's 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 swing her around a set yeah let's do it for me it's more like 
I mean, that movie was fine. I just much prefer something like Bridesmaids. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, but I'm I'm totally on board with her doing whatever she wants, yeah. whatever she's offered. I will eventually see it. Like Barb and Mar, uh, Go to Vista Del Mar was such a fun. Oh my God. That ended up being way more fun than I thought it was going to be. And I had no idea I had like that um fantasy element. Yes. Yeah, it's such a fun, such a weird. Yeah. I loved it. Bizarre. Like, yeah, it was, it was great. Like, and unfortunately because of the sh- shutdown and the pandemic, like it flew so far under the radar that I think, you know, not enough people have seen it even though it's widely available and easy to do. So if you haven't seen it, go see Barb and Star. Although I think I said Barb and Mar earlier. What starts you into getting in, like, into comedy? Like what, what triggers the, hey, maybe I can do this? It's kind of a prolonged process. I mean, I've always liked like, comedy. Like I like watching like comedy movies and comedy TV shows and like sketch shows and watching stand-up specials. Um, I remember like one of my first specials i ever watched was dave Chappelle because mm. he's like because i'm from the like dc area yeah and so he, like he so he's kind of like a hometown hero i guess a little bit since he went to school there um so i've always had an interest in it but it, like you know growing up you're like you're a female you're asian you can't be funny comedy is never gonna happen for you but then i like you know you know years later i came to new york to well f- originally to do medicine but then I decided I'd rather just give acting a shot and then from acting I started taking like comedy classes and realizing like I really love doing comedy oh there's so many things in that statement that I want to dive into (laughs) no it's like it's complicated it's not like oh you know you've you studied medicine yeah I was um supposed to go to medical school so like my degrees in biochemistry that that was like I was that was the part I was like, all right, so how far into medicine did you go? Like, is this like a Dr. Ken situation where? Oh, no, I didn't actually. Like, <laughs> like were you a practicing GP for a while? Um, yeah. So the idea of those barriers, and I don't want to say they're self-imposed because they're not. But like those barriers that create that sense of restriction, like being female, being Asian, not having been fully represented on tv movies for the past forever like this is going to sound so awful um as a a white dude but like what's that like to be like where's where's that first moment where it triggers that like maybe i can do this i mean just taking the classes and then having like teachers tell you that you're funny was very helpful i'm sure if i had like the teacher be like you suck you don't get out you know i would have been like no but like uh I especially like would thank my um, stand-up teacher, uh, Rick Chrome. Um, he teaches classes at the Comedy Cellar. Because I, I only took stand-up classes because I thought it would help improve my comedy writing. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you're like really unique and funny. So, so, so that was kind of nice. So you've done, a you know, the sketch class, this independent sketch class with the person we can't remember. You've done stand-up classes. Mm-hmm. Have you done improv? And, and then UCB improv, yep. How far along in the UCB track did you go? Uh, I'm up to four one. I gotta take. Is that still a possibility in New York? Yeah. It's, so I took like three of one online. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's not the same as doing it in person, but no, I'm sure. Because um, I I did a like right after the pandemic started, I did a, a sketch class with the Groundlings. Oh, nice. And it's it, yeah. It was a very 
good experience, but definitely not ideal. But at the same time, I'm in Philadelphia and I would have never been able to do something with the groundlings otherwise. So that was nice too. What what kind of class do you do first? Do you do the sketch or the do the stand up? Like where uh sketch, then improv, then stand up. Is there any particular reason why you chose sketch first? Well, because it was like an affordable class, and I just thought, oh, you know, if I can't perform, then maybe I can just write. Mm. So let me just see if I can just get those skills. Was that part of the the idea of you know the, those barriers in place that you? Yeah, because it's just I just thought there maybe there's more opportunity for me to write if if you know I wouldn't get cast in something. Hmm. And then improv, like, how was your experience with doing the improv classes? That was hard because you know I never did it before, but I actually really enjoyed it, and I uh, end up like being on several like indie improv teams. Uh, any particular classes or instructors that were like particularly helpful for you? I mean, they had a lot of really good teachers because I, I mean, I know they also have not great teachers, but um, I usually try to research it or get referrals before um, joining. I mean, one of my favorites is Brandon Gardner. He's on LA now, but okay. he was really great. And I also got him to be my web series, which was nice. <laughs> so I, I know you're in Model Majority, right? Yeah, Model Majority. Yeah, Model Majority. Yep. My, the sketch team I founded. It, it's oh, Okay. So let's talk about Model Majority. And you say you founded it. Yeah. What pushes you to... Do you have the idea of doing the sketch team or do you have the people that you want to? I had the idea together? first. Okay. Um, Cause you know, as a comedian, a lot of us have the dream of being on SNL mm -hmm. and like a lot of the pipelines are like, Oh, UCB, you have to get on a house team. And that's like the pipeline to get on it. But like, I was never going to get into a UCB house team, you know, really do you so. really think you wouldn't have? No, it's very clicky. And I just, I, didn't want to live and breathe it for it to okay. try to like, I don't know. I, yeah, I just I, always I, been kind of like anti-click growing up. So that was like very hard for me to like. <laughs> I feel like from the outside looking at like, you know, with UCB and with, you know, a lot of those other comedy theaters, like it is, you know, just as much who you know versus whatever inherent talent exactly. or skill you have. So I, I guess I do understand that. Like, yeah. So then I was like, oh, you know what? And then Crazy Rich Asians came out. So I was like, well, okay, maybe there's a market for an all Asian sketch team. Mm -hmm. You know, because I didn't want to like, also if I was a USB house team, I might be like the token Asian. Right. And I know that they had all Asian sketch teams in other cities. So I'm like, I, th I thought it was weird in New York. They didn't really have that much, you know, like, uh, or anything like what I wanted to do, like they do in like California. Yeah. So I just put like a Facebook post saying, hey, would any be interested in being a part of this if you know you know so i and i got hit like crazy people wanted to do it so there's still to this day a wait list to be on mom majority uh, oh wow that was a sentence i was not expecting to hear. i know it's like, like everything about mom majority was so surprising even our first show like, completely oversold out we've sold out every single show we've ever had in new york i i just don't i don't think in terms of like a, of a sketch team having like a wait list like, i didn't think there would you know but it's like um, hard like because I'm, I have to take care of everything. So the more people you have, the more work it is. Yeah. I, oh. Because like schedules alone just like make me pull my hair out. That that has been a joke I have said to every sketch comedian. Like that complain about something. I, I, I'm like, 
it's not about being funny sometimes it's about like whose schedules line up the best like and it's unfortunate to an extent but like if i can't meet you on tuesdays to rehearse or something you know i'm just as well out of the group like okay so model majority you put up a facebook page a facebook post i'm assuming in some actors no just my personal page alone and they started sharing it with their friends and you know and then as we did shows also people were like how do i join that sort of thing so just kind of grows and grows putting on your personal page and not like yeah i thought i would have to like go to like (laughs) asian groups but i didn't never needed to do that it was crazy i want to talk about the entire process of it okay you put up the post Mm -hmm. people respond what's the next step for you? Like, are you like, is there like informational meeting you, you gather? Yeah, we did together? informational meeting for like, I had to screen it down. Um, like, like I was looking for people who had experience doing comedy. Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we're just starting out. I want to like start good. And then maybe later on we can like, I mean, there were some people that didn't have experience, but they felt like they had the potential or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we had a meeting and then came up with the name and started writing. How many people were in that first? I'll, I'll say first writer's room. I can't remember. It was like 10 or 12. Because that's kind of like how we average about 10 or 12. Okay. So you, you have a group of 10 or 12 people starting. The next step, it, like what's the next step of getting a show? Uh, yeah. I caught contact a bunch of spaces um and then like one of my friends had um like worked at a theater called the tank in new york city it's like not like a really a comedy venue but they were going to give us free space and free rehearsal which is you know for when we're starting out it was like great and they were going to give and they were going to give us a residency straight off the bat so I was like, okay. So we had a residency there for a while. And we were doing shows pretty frequently. But then eventually we went to end up having to, you know, go to other theaters who also wanted us because we were doing so well. Mm. And then we ended up doing a pit residency. Okay. And then pandemic ended that. But we're back at the pit, but not doing our monthly shows like we were. So one of the, like those things with, and the tank was a relatively new space, right? Like. I mean, it'd or, been a while, around a while for theater. A, yeah. So you're offered. They were a, starting to develop a comedy program because they have like an improv program. You're offered a residency. And Tank's in Manhattan or, or Brooklyn? It's in Manhattan. It's like okay. uh, like near Times Square. Okay. Um, so you're offered a, a residency, almost, almost sight unseen of like the work you've done. How long did it Yeah, because, you know, I had the friend that was working there. Yeah. So he trusted me. And then. Um, they wanted to diversify, right? And what's yeah. more diverse than an all Asian comedy team? So, how long did that residency go? Oh, it was like for several months. But then I, you know, was every show? I'll go to details, but I just said I wanted to try a different theater. Was every show new? Uh, yeah. So every month, new material. Uh, I think in the beginning we were trying well, to do every other month, but yeah. Okay. But eventually, we we're doing like every month because there's such a demand. But now, like, I can't do that anymore. I can't sustain that. <laughs> I was like so burned out. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's quick to burn that out. For sure. So now we're just doing a couple, like our, like sort of our annual shows every year. How much material do you think Model Majority has generated? 
Yeah, we yeah, were just I, looking at this because trying to figure out um, what shows to uh, do for the World Comedy Expo because we got chosen to uh, perform there at the end of the month. And we have probably almost 100 sketches at this point. It's like crazy. And that's for stage and for video. With with an all Asian cast and, and writer's room, right? Like it's yep. all Asian. Um, is there differences between the different... Because Asian is such a, a broad term. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted it to, to be like, when I say all Asian, I mean, like, I it's very important for me to have Asians from different parts of Asia, including it, like Pacific is Islander. between like the, the humor of people coming from? Yeah, I mean, or even within like, say, if we're like, say, because we're all different people and have different backgrounds. So like someone who's adopted is going to have different experiences than someone who's just like mixed. Then there's different someone who like, grew only around white people or people who always grew around other Asian people. It's like, there's such a diversity. Of, that's why I think that's part of the reason why I did model droids because I wanted people to see like, we're not one, just like monolith. Right. There's and, such a and, variety. And also it's such a difference in sense of humor, just based on the person, not even based on ethnicity. Is there a sketch from model majority that you think is like a quintessential, like you're, you're building the show for the, you know, this world comedy expo in Chicago, like, is there one sketch that you think has to be a part of it? No, I mean, that's a thing. Our, we have so such a variety of sketches. We kind of just do whatever we're like, we think would be fun um, and that the audience would get. So I don't feel like there's like one particular sketch that represents all of it. Cause just, it just, so there's such a variety. Cause we'll have sketches that are just plain dumb with like dad humor. And then we'll have like some like social justice sketches. It's like such a variety. Um, how has my majority reacted to the pandemic? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in the first couple months, cause actually our, we had a live show on March 7th, 2020 and it was sold out. It was amazing. And then we shut down in New York on March 12th. Yeah. And so like the first couple months we were like, you know, so depressed and like, did not know what to do. But then I was like, you know what, let's do shows virtually. And so we kept shows going during the pandemic virtually where it was a zoom based or was it like zoom plus yeah we did two? zoom and then streamed it out to you know whether it's like like pit at the time was doing uh facebook mm-hmm. uh, but you know we also did uh, like youtube and we tried different streamings was that satisfying enough like in in you know in place of being able to do a live in i mean show? getting to create is always great. I mean, it's never as good as in person, but just keeping us distracted and giving people a break, you know, like the audiences really just was so grateful to have a laugh break because mm. it'd been so very upsetting for the last couple of years and lonely because we also interact with the audience even when we do stream. So it wasn't like, you know, our Zoom screen was filtered out to Facebook and you're watching on Facebook, not watching, you know, not being able to see back and forth the audience like you were the audience was a part yeah like we would talk to them through chat you know okay okay because you have a video in toronto sketch fest i'm assuming you you have pivoted to doing video as well uh, we always did video so that was like nothing new um okay. but it's just like not doing in-person shows doing like online shows that's i guess the only pivot how much have you focused on video versus live sketch well during pandemic it was like zoom sketches um but now that like things are getting better and that we're all boosted because that's a requirement now mm. um, for doing in-person shows and sketches, 
we're starting to film sketches in person now too. So you, you moved to New York, I'm assuming for career first. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I got a job working at the New York um, medical center, NYU medical center doing research. Um, and I was going to grad school to get my master's in public health while I was like working to go to medical school. Plus it was a dream of mine to live in New York. So right. that was my excuse to get, get out of the house. So from like from DC, which is, a, you know, another relatively decent comedy happened. Did you know anything of in DC growing up? No, I mean, I didn't do acting or comedy until I came to New York. Cause so I was focused on like, being a doctor what triggers the idea of like hey let's let's try acting then i feel like because in new york there's like so much comedy everywhere and theater everywhere so you get more exposed to it and then like you know i was doing like some like background work mm. to like supplement my you know student loans like to <laughs> help pay for it in addition to my research job because it wasn't enough pay um and then i'm being on set doing background work and like oh i feel like i could do this so then i took classes is, is there something, so you, uh, with doing background work, is there something that people could see, be like, oh, there's Veronica, like. Um, probably. People said they'll find me and stuff, like <laughs> random stuff, like I even forgot about. All right, that's, an, that's a game for you, listeners. Find Veronica. I've been in a lot of things. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, what, like what sets were, were you on to, like. Um, let's see, I think people recognized me in gossip girl doing background i mean i've, I've done prince works since then so that would sure. be very easy to find me but for background well I that's like, less fun though yeah uh i've done snl background well, oh really let's talk yeah. about what, what was that like it's really fun all right let's let's walk through that because i think you're the first person i've talked to that that is at least admitted to doing well i've gotten principal on snl that was actually my first union credit that's what got me into the union so uh, but i've also done background as background what's that week like how like how much are you there so i usually get picked for pre-tape my friends get picked for the live but i feel like you have to know somebody to get into the live i think i, th- I got to do one live once but um for pre-tapes it's like they usually do them on thursdays um and it's usually i mean sometimes it's on location but often it's like not location and it's like just madness yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a lot of work and a really long day i i, I don't understand how and it feels like they do more and more film every year. Because, you know, they want to be in those like those viral videos, right? And it and it, it just feels like so much work. So it's fast. so much work. I mean, it's amazing Such how they put it together like, in like a couple days. Oh, like I, I I can't fathom it. Like and I'm also like, wow, they have money. Because for Mono Majority to do what they do in the amount of time, it's so stressful and we can't accomplish as much. And as, I mean, we do stuff, have some short turnaround sometimes when we but get like, like book for something, but like that, I mean, like, they they have really high quality, like editing and production value like that. I wish I could have. Yeah. And I imagine like, cause I know they have like two or three different just film directors now, like, mm-hmm. and, I, and they're, they have to be doing multiple things at once. Oh yeah. And That's why they're which, like multiple locations. There's, there's yeah. multiple editors. Yep. Because. That, that's the part that scares me the most is the editing afterwards. Like, you know, filming a, a comedy sketch can be fairly easy. It's the editing afterwards. I'm just like, 
And they do it so quickly. You have such a, like a hard deadline. Cause I was like talking to one editor and I was like, you guys should get awards for like, cause I, I edit sketches now too, even though I don't want to. And I, I'm like, it's hard. <laughs> like it's, especially when you have a deadline like that. Okay. Another thing that triggers there, you mentioned you don't want to. So at being, you know, the founder and presumably like, and it's weird, like, cause I never think about like sketch teams in this way, but like a lot of sketch teams do have a producer that does like all the, like someone has to be in charge of like logistics, like the breakdown of the jobs really work. Like, or do you get stuck doing way more than you want to? Uh, I get stuck doing most of it because, you know, people, you know, comedians and actors, they just like, I just want to show up and like be a star. You know, they don't want to like do the stuff that needs to get done. I'm lucky that like some of my team members are also like very helpful, mm. but in the end, because I found it in and I run the show and like produce it, it still always ends up my lap. If other stuff didn't get done or there's not enough time. Is that frustrating? Oh yeah. That's why I was like, I'm burnt out every year. I'm like, this is the end of model drawing. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired. In that case, when you're completely burnt out, is there a, a strategy of like passing it on to somebody or is it just, Oh no, I've been trying to develop people, but they're like, they see how much work it is. They're like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand how much, um, how much work gets into it. And they just don't come in for the comedy. Funny, funny, ha ha. Like but a lot of us are mostly actors. So sketch is better for us than improv. Because we want to show that, like, we can be in a TV comedy. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm going to admit to something that I think I should talk about with someone from New York. <laughs> having seen, having, you know, gone up to New York Sketch Fest at the pit and, you know, seeing, you know, New York people come down to Philadelphia for certain things. That idea that you just said that a lot of people are actors first. I see. And that's that's a, a thing, that's a criticism I've said about New York teams is that they're super well performed, but the writing might not be totally there. LA is the same way. They're more mostly like actors. I presume. Obviously, like absolutely. Uh is the like is there a, a a way of getting around that? Like you mentioned that first register room with like 10 to 12 people how much like do you have a separate writer's room versus uh, a cast for mom majority it, like we we're still like working out like how we want to run things so the latest iteration is that we for the people who want to write uh, we have them writers first okay. and then we cast it out okay so and we will check people's avail to see if they're interested in doing the next show and start with them first but sometimes if we need something specific we'll, we have so many actors or we can just source it out. So we, we right now, I just want to focus on the writing. Um, and also, I've been like actively looking for writers only, not write reformers. Mm. And that's so, made quite a difference in the writing. So you do quality. have a bit of a, a separation of church and state where you have a, a writer's room versus like. I mean, we still have writer performers, but that's only if they're good writers. Because sometimes actors write, but it's not really good. You know what I mean? Right. That's an interesting way to say that, like that you prefer the good writer for those those slash roles yeah because i can always get an actor comedian you know what i mean but good writing is really hard to find because a lot of people don't want to do sketch writing right because they want to write tv shows and film so it's hard to find sketch writers especially asian ones is there an end goal for model majority like i mean I, I know a lot of like streaming platforms have done a show if if netflix came to you and offered you a 
a 10 episode series. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream is to have our own TV show for sure. Or would you be pulling out your hair, like already stressing out about it? No, I want a TV show. (laughs) (laughs) That's like why we're doing this. I mean, also, we want to keep doing our in-person shows because it's really great for the community and people really enjoy it. And we do a lot of community service too. So it's been... um, How so? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we like... community partners want us to perform. We'll do their like fundraisers. Um, we also volunteer with this, um, children's mentoring group in New York called apex for youth. And we do like comedy workshops with them. So like, yeah, if anybody wants us to like, do like, you know, lead workshops or teach classes or just, yeah. Produce a show for them. We'll do that. Cause we feel like, you know, a lot of them have supported us. So we want to get back to the community. Which is another thing I think what sets us apart from typical sketch groups, because like the community social justice part is really important to us. Yeah. Like our um, online shows, we always uh, pick the charity for people to donate to. Oh, very cool. So you you're doing a live thing at Pitt, and it's not like it's not. You said it's not monthly. Like it's every. I right now I just do our. We typically do an annual Lunar New Year show, which we just did, but actually end up being online because Omicron. Hmm. But our next show is our annual uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month show that we do in May. May. And that we are hoping to be in person uh, May 7th at the Pit Loft. Uh, so as we wind down, I, 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 go, I try to go a little deeper and... Uh, so the first question is, I mean, you've done classes and sketch improv stand up. Is there something that you've learned through comedy that you would tell a new writer, like a piece of advice that you would give? Like, um, I guess I would have to say, like, embrace your weirdness or embrace your uniqueness. Because like the thought, the stuff like I thought was like, because, you know, like people outside the business are like judging you all the time. Hmm for like being a little bit different but in comedy it's highly valued so because there's so many people doing comedy so the more unique and weird you are i think it helps you stand out yeah and then finally why comedy like we we talked about working medical field being a researcher that something clicking and you know the more opportunities in new york allowed you to to pursue you know acting work and and starting this team why comedy versus any other way of spending your not work time? I mean, I love all forms, um, drama and comedy. And I think you get to do both really. Um, I just think comedy is a really tough skill and you have to be able to do all sorts of characters and also be able to approach all types of genres. And the reason I focus on comedy now is because this kind of like hellscape we're in right now. And I think people need to be educated, but I feel like comedy is the best, best way to do that. And also I like to make people laugh because life is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But comedy, like, you know, it's about you understand other people and there's empathy and just a, a strong viewpoint of things and a knowledge of a lot of things. Thanks, Veronica. Thanks, Josh.
Veronica is a member of Model Majority, based out of New York City. Head to modelmajority.com and follow them on all the different social media at Model Majority. Their video, Sundance Darling, will air during Toronto Sketch Fest Screen Time Edition on Thursday, March 24th at 7 p.m. Then, Veronica will be participating in the Comedy Road Trip panel Saturday afternoon, March 26th at 3 p.m. Kurt Reedy from Philly Sketch Fest will also be a part of that. Info for both of those can be found at torontosketchfest.com. In between those, though, Model Majority will be performing live and in person in Chicago, Illinois, on Friday, March 25th at 11 p.m. So if you're in the Second City, check out worldcomedyexpo.com for more information on that festival that show's happening at the Annoyance Theater, by the way. As for me, I'll be hosting Sketch Train during Toronto Sketch Fest on Saturday, March 26th, probably around 11 p.m. after all the shows for the night. Then Sketchy Beta returns Friday, April 1st at 10 p.m. on Zoom. Head to sketchybater.com for more on that one. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at facebook.com slash phlsketchfest. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.